Ah, I love all that visionary stuff, don't you? Those great proclamations of who we want to be and where we want to go and what we want to do. Uh, But today I want to talk about the fact that so often the dream and how the journey feels can be really different. Anybody know what I mean? Uh, The vision can be so different to the day-to-day reality and yet it's God. Let's use the Apostle Paul as an example for us to kind of lay a table of thought this morning to gather around and really drink in from God's word. I hope to leave you encouraged, but in a very real way, not in a kind of fake hypey way. All right. So let's look at this. Here's what God thought of the Apostle Paul. He was sending Ananias to go and Uh, help Paul be set up. He was Saul at the time, right? To be ready for ministry. And here's what God said in in Acts 9.15. These are the sorts of words to Saul. Arise, go. This man is my chosen instrument, God says. My special messenger. He's to proclaim my name to the nations. Oh, that sounds good, doesn't it? He's to stand before kings and give them revelation of who I am. I love that. All big sweeping statements. Special messenger. Arise, go. He's chosen by me. He's going to proclaim my name to nations and stand before kings. That was the dream. That was the call. But what did his life actually feel like? So let me go to another scripture. This is 2 Corinthians 11. This is what it actually felt like for Paul to live those amazing grand words. He said, I've worked much harder, been in prison more frequently, been flogged more severely. I'm reading, that's why I'm looking down, right? I've been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country in danger at sea and in danger from false believers. I've laboured, I've toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst and gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I don't feel weak. Well, I thought he was the special messenger, the chosen instrument to stand before kings. But this is what it felt like. This great call from God. And here he is feeling weak. I want us to realize there's two sides to life in God. There's the dream, then there's the delay. There's the call, but then there's the suffering and the affliction. Uh, Here you see Paul's affliction, even as he goes about his grand vision from God. But it's not just afflictions. He faces obstacles in Acts 16 just to make life complicated. Sometimes it's not just the the devil that's after you. Sometimes God is blocking your route. Listen to this. In Acts 16, here's Paul. It says, Paul and his companions, verse 6, traveled throughout the region of Perga and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. Hang on. Listen to that. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit, blocked by the Holy Spirit from preaching in a certain place. 
Verse 7 goes on that when they came to the, the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. He was wanting to go from this place to this place to go do a good thing, to do the thing he was called to, to preach the gospel and reveal Jesus Christ. But God kept blocking him. Gets a bit confusing life, doesn't it, sometimes? And then to the Thessalonians, Paul writes this. It was our will to come to you. I, Paul, again and again wanted to come, but Satan hindered and impeded us. So it's not just affliction and suffering. It's not just obstacles and roadblocks. It's attack from the enemy. So we've got a dream from God, but how does it often feel? It can feel like suffering, delay, frustration and affliction. And very often when we find ourselves in that place, we can think something's really wrong. Something's really wrong with me. Something's really wrong with life. Something's really wrong with my choices. Because I think one day years ago when we were in a meeting and maybe we raised our hand in the meeting and said the sinner's prayer and thought, yeah, I'm going for it. Jesus is the real deal. I'm going to follow Jesus. We never fully understood how God operates. I want to teach you this morning how God operates so that you can get through what you're facing in life with wisdom and understanding this is how God builds his people into all that they should be let me put it this way the process for doctors is that they study I certainly hope so right I know a load of doctors they study hard and probably never stop studying so doctors study that's the process athletes train that's their process Christians suffer <laughs> that's their process affliction and suffering is part of the deal it does something in us and I know when you raised your hand in that service and said I've decided to follow Jesus you didn't realize that the road had affliction and suffering and delay and times of hiding and waiting on God but go read the Psalms it's all over the Psalms they're always waiting for God to come through to them going through difficulty and pain but listen affliction and suffering does something in us it is part of the process thankfully it's not the whole process don't worry but there will be times and seasons of suffering and affliction also attack stuff not sent by God uh, God doesn't give you cancer but you can come under attack and you can find yourself in a really difficult place and God will use it in the same way as a suffering or affliction sent by him. Doesn't mean God is sending all of these nasty things our way, but he will use every one of them. But then there are some things. Ha, Joseph in the prison, waiting in that jail, forgotten by the, by the cupbearer for another couple of years. Imagine him. Talk about he hemmed me in behind and before. People think that sounds like protection. I think it sounds like prison. Sometimes God hems you in and says, wait, I'm preparing something. I'm doing something in you and I'm giving a Pharaoh a dream and you are going to suddenly come to a new place in me and in influence but we've got to understand the journey is not just the dream which keeps us going but it's also the affliction which changes us i think it was winston churchill that said mountain tops inspire leaders but valleys mature them 
And when you signed up to follow Jesus, you signed up to walk through affliction. And when you do, you will come out with reward. Let me share with you from the scriptures how God uses suffering and affliction and delay and frustration to change us. If you understand this, I think all of us can face difficulties with a little bit more joy. Let's look at the scriptures. Right, let me share with you some scriptures that talk about affliction, delay, suffering, persecution, stuff like that, so that we can understand why it has to be part of our journey. And when we can understand the reward for these times of affliction, I think it can help us endure our cross, as it were, with joy, just like Jesus. Well, let's look, let's do a, a good amount of scripture. Are you ready? Here we go. 1 Peter 2, 21 says this. To this you were called. What's the this? Well, the context is he's talking about suffering, right? And he says, to this you were called to suffering because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. It is part of the path of following Jesus to go through times of suffering and affliction. Often early in our Christian life, we get a, a honeymoon time when everything seems a little bit easier. It's the sheer joy of salvation. Even prayers seem to get answered so much more quickly in, in actually even while we're in a state of immaturity spiritually. But then comes affliction and suffering and the development of who we are. And sometimes we fall away realizing, oh, it's not all a bed of roses. No, understand this. When you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, you are signing up to the development of your soul to maturity. So just as Jesus suffered, we will suffer too. So <laughs> it's not a fridge magnet, is it? But we will go through stuff. 2 Timothy 3.10 puts it this, this way. You, however, know about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, my faith, my patience, my love, my endurance. It's the Apostle Paul talking again. Persecutions, my sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium and Lystria? Uh, yeah, Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Oh, I love that, don't you? In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ will be persecuted. Uh, that one's never going to be a fridge magnet, is it either? Um, but it's the guarantee that if we are really, truly going to run after Christ, I mean, it said, uh, uh, Jesus said, the world hated me, so it's going to hate you. We cannot get through to maturity in God uh, on a bed of roses. We are going to go through persecution and we're going to go through suffering at some level, okay? And, uh, and, and I don't mean continuous either, but we're going to face seasons and times of it. Um, but let's look then at what suffering does in us and just try and find out some of the joy of it. 1 Peter 4.1 puts it like this. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourself with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin. So suffering helps us be done with sins. Those besetting, bad, addictive, repetitive behaviors and habits that pull us down. When we suffer in our body, it is getting us dealing with sin and getting us done with sin. Here's an even more fun bit, though. And this is kind of a major theme in the New Testament. Suffering achieves glory. Listen to these verses, 2 Corinthians 4.16. Therefore, do not lose heart. 
because there's every temptation to, right, when you're going through a tough time. Though outwardly we're wasting away, yet inwardly we're being renewed day by day. Something is happening deep in our souls. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Listen, listen to that. People of grace and people of faith that think, well, I just believe my way through and trust in his grace. There's another side. There is an earning side to even the Christian faith, even the New Testament, right, in this covenant. It's that our sufferings achieve a sense of the glory of God coming to us. Romans 8, 18 says, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Romans 8 verse 12, dear friends, don't be surprised by the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. Look at that. Don't be surprised. Don't think it's strange. I think it says elsewhere that a fiery ordeal is taking place to test you as though something strange was happening to you. So let's stop thinking that hard times are strange as Christians, right? It says, verse 13, but rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Somehow in, in the New Testament, it teaches us that suffering and affliction achieves a kind of resurrection. In other words, it's not just if I die with him, I can live with him. If I die to self, somehow I can enter a place of being glorified and powerful and receiving the good things of heaven in my life too. But if, if I won't endure the one, I'll not get the other. It's a little bit like submit to God and then you can resist the devil and he will flee. If we want to enter places of authority and power and as the Bible puts it, glory, then we must endure the suffering, the affliction and the putting to death, the seed falling to the ground and dying so that it becomes multiplied and glorified, as it says, I think it's John 12. Listen to this, Philippians 3 verse 10. I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow, sounds like a mystery, doesn't it? Somehow attaining to the resurrection of the dead. Somehow in suffering, with there's an attaining of resurrection life, of God's powerful life flowing in us. There's a biblical word for life, and it's just it's more than just biological life. It's it's Zoe, the word is in the Greek. It's Zoe life. It's it's Christ's powerful, glorious life flowing in us. And it's actually suffering that reveals this Zoe life, this Christ life in our hearts and in our lives. 2 Corinthians 4, 8 to 10 puts it this way. We're hard pressed on every side, but not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but we're not abandoned, struck down, but not destroyed. Listen to this verse. We carry around in our body the death of Jesus. So, here's why, so the life of Jesus, the Zoe of Jesus, may also be revealed in our bodies. Somehow in dying in affliction and frustration and delay and suffering and persecution, there is a release of Zoe life in us. Lots of people go to church. Not everybody carries Zoe life. And you can't just believe your way into it. There is a journey of dying to things of self, to, to be resurrected to the things of Christ. That dynamic, when you see a mature, glowing Christian, 
I tell you something, they've been through pain and suffering, the death of ego, the death of self, the death of unforgiveness, the death of selfishness. And they've probably done it mainly through affliction and suffering and hardship. But as they've tracked their journey with God, as they've kept making their pilgrim's progress with God, they come out after seasons of difficulty. Each time they'll come to a new season of glory. Mystics from of old, Christian mystics, have said that the, that the journey, the pathway to progress in God is often uh, a time of affliction and suffering and then coming to a new glory in God. Some new revelation, some new level of maturity is attained as we go through a season of affliction. But then you'll find this, this patterns and, and some of the mystics would say this, this five major stages in life. Some say there's seven. There's one that says, you know, there's nine stages. So, but it's all largely, that's going to be their own reflection on what they've seen and from their studies. Um, so for some, it seems to be much more regular than others. But they all say this, you will go through a season of affliction, a time of affliction, then come to a new glory. Then at some point that'll wane and you come to another time of affliction. And then that helps you prom be promoted up to a new level of glory. And we go through these times in life. Here, don't give up when you get to your moment of affliction or delay or frustration. When your ego is, is, is uh, poked by heaven or poked by circumstance, it might just be God testing us, bringing us up to a new level in him. Here's another verse that talks about Zoe life. James 1 verse 12 says this, blessed is the one who perseveres under trial. Having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life, the crown of Zoe life, the dynamic Christ life. They'll receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. Going through our moments and times and seasons of affliction is the proof of our devoted love for Jesus. Um, suffering produces perseverance, maturity and completion in our lives. James 1 verse 2 to 4 says this, consider it pure joy. You think, wow, he's crazy. But once we get into seeing the patterns of affliction and times of suffering, you can start to see joy in this thinking, whoa, if I'm going through a night, there must be a sunrise of a new glory coming to me. So that's why he says when, you, when you're spiritually mature, you can start to get it. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith, listen to this, produces, it achieves, it develops perseverance. Something comes out of the test. You're being changed by the test. Faith, the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Verse 4 says this, let perseverance finish its work. Wow, it's almost like perseverance has a personality. Perseverance through trial will come to us and it will he will, she will. It's almost like a personality. Perseverance is doing a number on you. Let perseverance finish its work. Why? So that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. The only way to get to a place of not having lack is to allow perseverance, trial and suffering to do its work in us and to cooperate with it. Uh, another verse says it produces 
perseverance, character and hope. Romans 5 verse 2 to 4. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God, Paul says. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance and perseverance produces character and character produces hope. If you see a hope-filled person, someone that's happy in all circumstance, it's because they've been through the cycle of affliction and suffering, which produce perseverance, which has really developed proper character in them. So they learn to have hope in all circumstances because they know this, this trial will end. And I will come to a greater glory in God soon. <laughs> it proves your faith. 1 Peter 6, uh, 1 Peter 1, 6 to 7 says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Did you, did you catch that? For a little while. You've had to suffer grief and all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold. So we're making something that's better than gold in our lives here. Faith is being produced, right? Which perishes even though refined by fire, that's gold. Uh, your faith won't. It will result in praise and glory and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Even though for a little while you suffer. Catch that. Mature believers know this. <clears throat> okay, this is an affliction. It will be for a while. It has a timer on it. It will end and I will step up to the next place of glory, maturity, Zoe life and development. It has a timer on it. It's helping me, me, helping me be done with sin. 1 Peter 5.10 says this, And the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ. There it is. There's the dream. I love it. Eternal glory, right? After you've suffered a little while, will himself restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. A little while. In my experience, that could be three days. Could be lots in my life. I've gone through 40-day afflictions when, oh boy, God, why won't you stop this frustration, this difficulty, this this suffering and it's been a it's actually quite quick really when you when you look back on it it's a 40 day it's a six week thing and there's lots of 40 day trials that bring people to a new place of perspective or maturity in God in the Bible go go look them 40 days is all over the scriptures but also sometimes there's a a little while can be three years sometimes a little while can be seven years we go through seasons of affliction and delay and suffering but it's to bring us a reward suffering achieves something and that's what we've got to tell ourselves when we're in the midst of it so we're achieving our next level in God the suffering the persecution the frustration is producing Christ in me which is a glorious promise wow um Sometimes I wear a, a crucifix, you know, like a Catholic crucifix with actually a little little model of Jesus on the cross. And I've got it on at the moment. But, you know, through I often put it back on when I'm going through an affliction season because sometimes I'm going through a difficulty. And it's, you know, another bad email, another delayed thing, another painful situation, another rude accusation of persecution. And some days I'll literally just take a hold of my crucifix because the bible says remember his 
death, not just remember his resurrection, but remember his death because you're going to need to remember that because that's the pathway he took and you are going to be dying to self regularly to produce glory in you. So I grab this little crucifix and I say, my prayer is, God, if you can do this, then I can do this. If your ego can be so crucified and such humility revealed, then I can humble myself once again. If you forgive from this cross so powerfully, I can forgive again. And even as I do, I know there's, there's a joy that comes going, this, this that I'm going through, it's earning something. Let me tell you, as far as I'm concerned, the longer that little while is, the more it's earning you glory. Some of you have been enduring affliction for quite a long while. You are producing Zoe life, glory, upgrade and maturity in your life. That's how God works, right? So what I want to do next is I want to take this message of the difference between the dream and the delays, the call and the suffering and affliction, the obstacles and roadblocks and even the attacks, how they feel real different. And I want to talk to Revive Church as a family. But I think everybody listening, you'll be able to apply this to your life. I'm going to talk about our dreams, vision and call as a church, but then also our journey our delays and our pathway. And let's see if we can find God speaking into the life of the church. I want to talk for a few moments about the revived church dream, that call, the, the grand statements that get us moving in the right direction with God. And then I'm gonna get really real and talk about the delays and the afflictions and the difficulties. But let's do the dream first. I always prefer that, right? Um, there's three phrases we, we always use to describe our vision. Inspiring global revival, equipping extraordinary generations and transforming local communities. Um, inspiring global revival. Well, back in 1996, I found myself in South Africa. And while I was there, I had an incredible encounter with the glory of God. And for six weeks, just the presence and the glory of God was doing extraordinary things. Drug addicts overwhelmed by the power of the Holy Spirit. Congregations taken up into wonderful encounters with God, incredible miracles and such a presence. But what affected me most deeply was in my personal prayer times, God was showing me the glory of God that was going to hit Europe and the world, the glory of God in city centres, the presence of God impacting Parliament, the kingdom of God touching the media, miracles on primetime TV, just God's glory coming. And of course, I know now, nearly three decades later, that loads have prophesied that this is coming and it's what I live for. Everything in my life points towards the glory of the Lord covering the earth as the waters cover the sea. And we exist at Revive for a powerful sense of God's glory to be in our region. And then for us, as much as we can, dear Lord, help us to inspire it in others around the world. That's the big dream, inspiring global 
revival, a great harvest, great miracles, great kingdom impact, uh, equipping extraordinary generations. I mean, Vicky and I have had so many words about being surrounded by kids and ministry to children. And uh, I mean, the picture for me was when we were in Columbia at David and Darry Luce's and, and I don't know, couple of hundred maybe of the kids just ran towards us across the playground, just surrounded us and hugged us. And that incredible work that transforms so many lives. I mean, that's what we want Revive to be about. It can't just be about one generation, not just the guys and girls older than me or those my age. We must be raising extraordinary people that think miracles are commonplace. And we're finding different ways to do that. And then the third one, transforming uh, local communities uh, and really seeing something remarkable happen at a local level. So it's not just grand global theoretical ideas, but what you're actually doing in your own town, city and region. Um, Some years ago, 2009, I believe it was, I was in a meeting uh, up in Sunderland at Ken Gott's place and Jean Darnell was there on her last visit to the UK, I believe it was, and she'd talked about her prophecies of revival for the nation. And then she led us in a time of prayer and about 120 leaders there. There was this hubbub of pastors and leaders praying. And I had my back to to the stage where Jean Darnell was and this wonderful American prophetess was there praying. And as I had my back to her, I could hear her shouting loudly down the microphone, fire from the Humber up through East Yorkshire. The Humber is is the estuary, the river that flows in that Hull sits on. Uh, and and uh, East Yorkshire's course, our region. And I could hear a voice again and again, fire from the Humber, up through East Yorkshire, fire from the Humber, up through East Yorkshire. And I nudged the friend that was with me and said, can you hear what she's saying? I mean, we're nowhere near the Humber or East Yorkshire right now. She probably didn't even know what the Humber is. And uh, my friend looked over his shoulder, looked at the stage and could see, Jared, she's nowhere near the microphone. I don't know what you're hearing. I heard a supernatural voice say again and again, fire from the Humber up through East Yorkshire. Well, we just started an adventure of planting locations and pop-up churches and campuses and outreaches across the region. In the first 15 months, we saw about 300 respond to the gospel. It was an incredible shift. Something shifted in us from just being a city church to wanting to reach the 600,000 people in our region. We have a heart to see the region touched by the glory and the fire of God. That's the dream. That's the call. That's the vision. Hmm. But the journey, well, that's another thing. Let me talk to you for a minute about the journey that we're on and where I think we are at in our journey with God. So that's the dream, the call, the vision, but the journey feels really different, doesn't it? Um, Let me just take you through some times and seasons of Revive over the last 30 years. Then I want to come to what I believe is the current season we're in, but that I believe is coming to an end. And I'll share why in a minute. From my book, The Divine Reset, I've just got a couple of scriptures in here that I think are useful. Daniel 2.21 
says God changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises others up. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. Acts 17.26 says God determines our pre-appointed times. 1 Chronicles 12.32 says that the sons of Issachar had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. There's a sense in which times and seasons are set by God. I wonder, um, can you see your times and seasons? Uh, what, one of the things I've done under lockdown is to, you know, to look at the last, is my kind of third decade of, of ministry coming into my, my fourth. But I looked back, I started in 1990. And I'm like, God, what did you do? On a, in a headline way, you might want to do this for yourself. From 1990 to 2000, I could really see, you know, I was kind of 19, 20 years old coming into ministry. It was such a foundational time. It was full of mentors and full of deep God encounters that have shaped me for today. That 1996 encounter that I, I cannot get the imprint out of my heart. I just live for that one thing from that encounter with God. So the, the, the decade of the 1990s was foundational then for me the decade of 2000 to 2010 and um, was more establishing it's when i miraculously met vicky and we got we got married i bought my first house at the end of the decade i had my son and the key thing for revive because that's what we're really here to talk about is halfway through that decade i decade i became revives senior leader and, and and we we had fun you know we had a good five year honeymoon we the church kind of pretty easily uh, uh, doubled in size and lots of great fun things and learning and of course at the end of that decade that Jean Darnell moment fire from the Humber up through East Yorkshire and so we began to take a new shape as we came to the end of that decade so then and this is important as I analyze 2010 to 2020 so kind of where are we at now I've been through a foundation season i've been through an establishing season what's 2010 to 2020 been about well it began with that word from gene darnell that i shared and us becoming regional but if you're around then you would remember that 2011 12 and 13 we had a three-year season of a powerful move of god loads of miracles loads of people saved outstanding things happening on the streets miracles being performed by children and teenagers it was just a remarkable move of god the bbc turning up to film what was going on and create something for bbc education so they could see what uh, christians who believe in revelation miracles are like today in great britain um just an amazing three years but as often happens with a it was a three-year move of God season. Lots of moves of God are three years. Azusa Street, the Welsh Revival, you'll find lots of them have three intense years. It's almost like that's about as much as of the actual glory of God that we could cope with. And, uh, and then we entered a new time. It's funny, as we're coming to the end of that three-year season, we began to get words like, I see you, the church now, as an old biplane sort of fighter plane. But I see God is turning you into a modern fighter jet. Words of upgrade, you could say. Somebody contacted me 
again instead I see you stepping from an old balloon that's now decrepit and can't quite do its job stepping to a new balloon I remember um, round about this same time and he wouldn't have known but Richard Dixon one of our congregation uh, he was sharing something I think in a prayer meeting and he 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 had a, a paper plane and he he unfolded it and then folded it into a new paper plane shape and he said that's what God is about to do with revive of course, being someone who loves dreams and visionary statements and the call, it's so nice and, and, and sounds so exciting. I'm thinking, OK, God, how long will that take? I wonder, three months, seven months, uh, 40 days, you know, how long will it take? A year? How long will God take to do this? Well, I think since 2014, right up to now, God has been doing that work, a seven year season of upgrading. We actually launched the name Revive and became Revive Church in um, October 20, uh, yeah, October 2014. This autumn it will be seven years that we've been Revive Church, but I'm going to be honest, I feel like we have been becoming Revive Church and what God wants us to be in that time. We left our building in Bridlington Avenue through a, a remarkable little series of events. It's sold to a school which was prophesied and so shifting out of that building and how it's settled now and doing incredible stuff in the region is so of God but we found ourselves more nomadic and let's get back to my word about affliction and suffering. We've been delayed, nomadic, probably I feel it more than anyone, frustrated by the slow development of the last seven years. It's been a real tough little while. Uh, very difficult to lead, very difficult to try and move things forward. Not as much fruit as I've wanted. Maybe I'd always feel like that, I don't know. But I believe we've been in seven years of affliction, seven years of delay. But here's the thing, and here's the hope in this message, because God has used seven-year seasons so often in my life. I believe we need to watch, because it could be that this autumn, I'd even say October 2021, could be the end of seven years of delay and affliction, as God has been using delay to produce perseverance, to produce character, to achieve a new sense of glory, to reveal, prepare us for a new sense of Zoe, Christ-like life in the church. I believe we're coming to the end of a difficult seven-year suffering and we are about to launch into something powerful in God. Can you see it? Here we find ourselves, I mean, yeah, yeah, throw in a pandemic over the last 18 months too. I mean, that has just transformed stuff. And um, some prophets use these words, so 2020, there's a disruption of activity. 2021, there's a disruption of structure. Structures are changing right now. Remember, unfolding the paper plane, putting it back together again. I believe, Revive, truly we are going to be so different as we come out of this seven years of affliction, as we come out of this 18-month pandemic where we've paused and been in a pit stop and God has said things like, I'm taking off the old wagon wheel and I'm putting on a new Formula One tyre. I believe we've been in the culmination of seven years of affliction, preparing to step into what God has called us to do. And here's the thing, and I want you to grasp it. 
We're going to look different. Some things are changing. At the beginning of 2020, the prophet Dwayne White put a blank sheet of paper in loads of our leaders' hands and said, that's what God is putting in front of you, a blank sheet of paper. Sharon Stone has prophesied um, that the blueprints that you had were all for an old era. God is rewriting the blueprints right now. You need to go back to the drawing board and start again. I believe as we come into this autumn, we're going to find that new blueprints new strategies. The vision hasn't changed, but the methodology will change. The the response to the culture around about us will change. And I believe the Zoe life, the glory, the energy, the passion, the fire, the harvest will increase in us because church, I believe we're coming to the end of an affliction time and we're preparing to enter into the fullness of our next level of maturity in God. I believe we finally got through the deconstruction for the reconstruction from the old fighter biplane right up to be the new fighter jet in God. Church, let's expect breakthrough into a new maturity in God. And that will come with influence, it will come with blessing, it will come with peace and joy, it will come with miracles, but it also comes with responsibility and a demand on our maturity. I believe we are stepping in to a new thing and a new time in God. Remember, after a little while, I believe we're coming to it, he will restore you, make you strong, firm, and steadfast. The delay, the frustration, the patience, the perseverance has been achieving a new level of glory, life, completion, and character. And so as a church, I see us coming to the end of a seven-year season when God's been doing a deep work in us. Um, I don't know, a couple of years ago, I think it was, in my prayer time, I heard a really unusual sound in the spirit, and it was the sound of hammer on anvil deep in my heart. And God said, I am forging something new deep in your soul. And I believe he's been doing it in the church too. He's been forging something new in us. You know, if you look at an apartment block and I I guess someone like me that likes easy headlines says, yeah, we need to put a couple more stories on top. And I, I love that. That's the dream. That's the call. That's the, yeah, let's go a little bit higher. God is the true architect. He says, okay, so we're going to have to go a little bit deeper then. If you want an upgrade, then we've got to go deeper And we've got to assess the foundations, improve some things, develop you, get rid of a bit more ego, get rid of a bit more selfishness, get rid of a bit more uh, self-involved attitude, develop character, ready to go up hiring God. And how does he do it? He does it through the affliction of delay very often. And so as we read the seasons and discern the times, I believe we're coming to the end of a difficult affliction season. And I suppose really my message ends there, but I I will, for those that want to hang on, I'm going to share four new blueprint pieces. I haven't got it all, but God has been sharing some things with me in the I want to share with you four blueprint developments that I know are coming about and going to start this autumn. Uh, There'll be more in the future. There'll be other changes, other developments as God downloads it and gets us ready for our next level in him. But let me share with you four changes and the reasons behind them that we're making in Revive this autumn 
as we come to the end of this difficult season and prepare to step into something new in God. So as we come to the end of this difficult season and are preparing to enter a new era, I believe, in God with a new blueprint, an upgraded church. Here's just some of the lines of the blueprint that I see forming on that blank sheet of paper uh, for the future as Revive. And the first thing that I'd say is obvious is we want to shift from being Sunday-centric, which is what we were, to more of a seven-day house of prayer, or close to it. Not that I mean that everybody's going to come to church seven days a week. I just mean so much more opportunity to gather, to pray, to play, to hang out, to be together. And we're currently searching for a place where we can base that house of prayer, where it will be fun and family to come together and seek God together and turn up at all funny sorts of times of day and night to seek God's face and house that well of glory. So we're going seven day centric. We're going to create something where you can come uh, every day or almost every day, let's say, and want to be there. Uh, number two, we want to shift from a fragmented commuter church. It happens. Our members live up to two hours drive apart across quite a broad region. And so it's just natural. It's sociological that we are easily fragmented because we're so far apart and often just see each other. Many revived members for an hour and a half uh, on a Sunday. That's when services are running, you know, uh, outside of pandemic time. We want to shift from being that fragmented community, which we must because we can't go much further. We need to upgrade. We want to shift to create something where we can be a devoted family. That means smaller locations, more of them, so that people can gather and be. The more you're in a smaller group, the more you do get to chat to more people. It's just the inevitability of a church. I've always said I would rather have 10 uh, churches of a hundred than one of a thousand because just sociologically it's hard to make deep friendships in massive crowds. It's so easy to feel more lonely in a crowd than in just a room with 40, 50 or 100 people in it. So we are looking to open a second hull location alongside uh, the current one in, in Cottingham and then Goul, and then we've got some ideas for some other uh, outreach locations across the region. We're just working on how those will develop post-pandemic. Um, but let's meet more often. Let's, let's pray more, let's play more, and let's hang out. So just watch for that one that we're expecting to plant more, but smaller locations, not locations with many, many hundreds, but smaller than that. The third uh, new line on the blueprint that I see so clearly is we have a choice. Are we going to become a big church with lots of departments and organizational pressures? Or, and this is where I believe we're going to go, uh, are we going to mobilize people in a free releasing way to go and do their ministry? Now, we have been setting up under lockdown a new mobilization strategy so that we can empower you, Revive members, to go and do all God's called you to do. We can get behind you. We can help provide stuff, help give, give, give care and guidance, but to be very releasing. So if you have a vision on your heart or you want to join one of the many mobilized ministries already in Revive, 
Revive, head to revivechurch.co.uk and look up the mobilization strategies. Look up the ministries that are already in it, that are touching thousands of lives every week. And let's be mobilized across the world. At the end of this program, after Ryan Gilpin sung a song, just to give us a bit of time to, to, to think, I'm just going to show you some of the updates about some of our mobilized ministries around the region and around the world. But we're not going to become a huge organizational structure, not who we're called to be. We want to be influencing and growing in such a releasing way, just like the early church was, not create massive organizational pyramids. And then the fourth line on the blank sheet of paper for the new blueprint for the new era. I had a dream uh, uh, probably six months before the pandemic. And in the dream, I was just helping two, three, four small groups of people in their homes. And God said to me in the dream, it's not about the crowds. It's about helping people in their homes. Little did I know that a pandemic would come along. I, I, I built this studio just off that dream. And boy, have we used this studio in the pandemic to launch some new stuff like the Tribe, which is our global online learning community. And just to be able to minister to Revive too. Been so, so useful and so um, uh, prophetic. But here's the thing. We also now want to begin adjusting our broadcasts as a church. And we're going to change them to a, a, a new way of broadcasting. And we're calling it Revive at Home. And we're hoping that people will want to join us in their groups. You could be anywhere in the world and join us for a 20, 25 minute teaching broadcast, uh, followed by some discussion questions. And, and we hope people will gather and coffee and pray and, and really run with God in a Revive at Home group. We're also hoping that lots of the small groups in Revive here in the region in Hull and East Yorkshire will join that too and we can just be growing God together so these Sunday broadcasts will adjust to become Revive at Home 20 to 25 minute teachings with half a dozen questions afterwards for discussion so that uh, we can really be growing in God together so we're taking our broadcast to a new level to really hopefully invest in small groups around the region and small groups around the world. We will come out in the next month or so with how you can sign up to receive all the questions and sign up as a Revive at Home group, okay? So there you go, four lines on the blueprint. More will follow, God speaking, and we're just flexing to all the change that goes on. So do pray wisdom for us as leaders and I pray that you would get your fresh blueprint for this new season too. Start a mobilized ministry, do something remarkable, start a revive at home group, uh, come to the house of prayer when we open it, the house of worship. It's not so much that I'm interested in 24-7 prayer, I want a place to go deep in God and I also want a place to go deep in friendship and they are going to be big bold lines on our new blueprint, so look out for it.